Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, let's go to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8 tonight. And uh, we want to continue with this that we have... uh, uh, been touching on uh, the power to get wealth Praise God. and uh, hallelujah. hallelujah glory to God thank God for everybody being here tonight thank God for our dear friend prophet Ford being with us yes. amen we appreciate him and miss Jesse so much and uh, but the Lord had said something to me Charles Cap said something one time concerning Uh, the truth of your words. And he said the Lord began to talk to him about the revelation of your words. And he said as you meditate on these truths, he said they'll begin to build in your spirit. They'll begin to build in your spirit. And then he said over a period of time, and then when these truths are established in your spirit, they'll become true to you. Amen. See, that's, that's the thing. Sometimes people are doing things and saying things and they say, well, I don't feel like it's true. Well, it's just not true to you yet. Right? Just like faith is, not the, is the substance of things not seen yet. Not the substance of things that don't exist. The substance of things you don't see yet. And this... this, this teaching on the power to get wealth as we meditate on it and we look at it it'll just build in our spirit it'll build in our spirit amen deuteronomy 8 and we want to start in verse 7 and uh these can be very familiar verses but this shows us something here and notice he said for the lord your god brings you into a good land A land of brooks, of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of the valleys and the hills. A land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of oil, olive and honey. Wherein you shall eat bread without scarceness. That word scarceness means poverty. Right? That's literally what it means. It means poverty. So a land without poverty... You shall not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, out of whose hills you may dig brass, when you have eaten and are full. Now, what I want you to see is notice the words that he's using. A land without scarceness. A land where you will not lack anything. Amen. Amen. And then notice, verse 10, and when you have eaten and are full. Then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that he's given you. Beware lest you forget the Lord your God and not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command you this day. Now here's what I want you to see. Notice what he's putting in the possible sense. It is possible that you'll forget me. 
But notice what he talked about in the absolute sense. When you get there, it'll be a land with no poverty. It'll be a good land. Amen. It'll be a land that you don't lack anything in. Right? And then here's what's going to happen. You're going to eat and you're going to be full. And then don't forget me. Is that right? Lest when you're eating and, and, and are full and have built good houses and dwell in them, good houses, not just taking what you can get, but a good house. Right? A good house. Oh, hallelujah. And uh, you dwell in it. That means you get to stay. Right? And when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold multiply, uh, and then he says, all you have is multiplied. Right? Notice what he's saying. This is going to happen. You're going to eat and be full. You're going to build good houses and live in them. Uh, your flocks are going to be multiplied. Your herds are going to be multiplied. Your gold and your silver is going to be multiplied. Everything is going to be multiplied. Then notice what he says. Don't let your heart be lifted up and forget the Lord that brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Amen. Now, we know, and it can, again, it can be elementary, poverty is bondage. And he said we've been brought out of the house of bondage. Is that right? Egypt is a type of the world and the state that you were in before salvation. Pharaoh is a type of Satan and his lordship over you in that state. You were a slave to sin. That's what Romans says. You were a slave to sin. You had no option. You were born a slave. You were born into bondage. Amen. Do you see that? And God came and delivered you out of the house of bondage and brought you into the promised land of redemption and of the Holy Ghost and everything that he did for Israel in the natural is a type of what he did for us in the spirit. But the issue is, is that when he did it for us spiritually, it flows over into our lives naturally. We get all they got naturally and more spiritually. Oh, hallelujah. So notice he says, all these things are there. They're waiting on you. Just don't forget me. Just don't forget me. Amen. I've heard people say, well, you know, you're teaching on all, you know, I, over the years, not recently, but I've had people say, well, you know, teaching on money and finances and telling people they can have what they say and God will bless them. You know, uh, people are just going to get what they want and then just back off God. Uh, on the contrary, probably at least 98% of people that I know, when they got a hold of the Word of God and found out how God would change their life, it made them love God more. It made them go after God more. It didn't make them want to run away from God and take all of His stuff and backslide. 
when God delivered my wife and I, it made me more hungry for the Word of God, more hungry to find out what else is in there that's absolute truth that'll change my life. Amen. 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 Woo! Verse 17. And you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. Now notice, they've got the wealth. This is something that, that, that I, I need you to see. Wealth is God's idea. These are his people that he brought them out to make them wealthy. Amen. You shall remember the Lord your God. For he it is that gives you the power, here's our foundation scripture, to get wealth so that he may establish his covenant that he swore to your fathers. Is that right? So God's desire from these verses is that his people have no poverty and no lack. Amen. Do you see that? I've had people say, well, if that's God's will, why is there poverty in the world? Because everybody, God's not everybody's God. You understand? Judas, when, when, when the woman broke the, the alabaster box over Jesus and poured it on his head and perfumed his body and washed his feet with it, Judas and, and the rest of the disciples, another account says they all said it. They all murmured about that waste. How can you waste something on Jesus? Amen. That's, that's like when you came and gave today. How, how can anybody possibly think giving to God is a waste? But anyway, Judas said, couldn't this money have been sold? Couldn't that have been sold? And the money given to the poor? And Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, Jesus, said, the poor you'll have with you always. But me, you won't have always. Now, why will you always have the poor? Number one, everybody won't come to God. And number two, even when people do come to God, they don't obey His will financially. And you can be born again and delivered from poverty and delivered from lack and be broke and have nothing, and live a life that you don't want to live, you can come to God and be more broke than you were in the world if you're not willing to follow His system. Amen. Amen. He desires that there's no poverty and no lack. He desires, notice, that we're full and that we multiply. The Amplified Bible of Deuteronomy 8.18 says, Always remember... That it is the Lord your God that gives you power to become rich. Praise God. Mm. And he does it to fulfill his promise to your ancestors. Amen. Try that one time. Say, God gives me the power to become rich. Now notice what he's saying. He's, he's telling us who to look to for this. It's God that gives you the power to get rich. Amen. Glory to God. 
Is that right? Oh, hallelujah. So notice something. The covenant was not established until they became wealthy. The covenant wasn't established till they became wealthy. Till they entered into the land and started living the way God said they could live. Amen. I've had people say, so you're saying it's God's will that everybody be rich? I'm telling you by virtue of Scripture, John 17, 17, your word is truth. I'm telling you by virtue of Scripture that God just said, I'm the God that gives you the power to get rich. I don't have to say it's God's will for everybody to be rich, His people to be rich. God said it. Amen. Do, Do you see this? The covenant was not established until they were wealthy. They Notice, they were given the power to get wealth. Amen. And you know what's interesting? Not one commentary that I read would deal with that scripture. Not one. I mean, Jameson Fawcett Brown, Matthew Henry, none of them would deal with that. I mean, just left it out. It, they, they'd go 15, 16, 17, 19. Wouldn't even deal with it. And people say, why? Well, of course, when those, when those things were written, when those commentaries were written, it was believed that God wanted you poor and, and broke and didn't want you to have anything. Well, that kind of upsets that apple cart. Yeah. Yes, sir. Amen. Yeah. Look at, at Deuteronomy 5, 31. I'm not trying to prove something to you tonight as much as I am encouraging you to believe it. Deuteronomy 5, verse 31. But as for you, stand here by me, and I'll speak to you all the commandments and the statutes and the judgments that you shall teach them, that they may do them in the land which I give them to possess. You shall observe to do, therefore, as the Lord your God hath commanded you, You shall not turn aside to the right hand or the left hand. You shall walk in all the ways that the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. Now, this is the covenant at Horeb. And this is when God made a promise to his people. Moses is recounting. That time with the older generation that God made a covenant with them that you're going to go into that land and possess it. God made a promise to Abraham that his people would come out of bondage and come into the promised land. He made a promise to those that came out of bondage that I'll make you wealthy when you get there. And Moses is recounting this. Now, notice chapter 6. And verse uh, 1. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, the judgments that the Lord your God commanded to teach you. That you might do them in the land that you go to possess. Hallelujah. Verse 3. Hear, O Israel, and deserve to do it, that it may be well with you, and that you may increase mightily. As the Lord God of your fathers has promised you in the land that flows with milk. And honey, 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Then verse 10. And it shall be when the Lord shall have brought you into the land that he swore unto your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and goodly cities that you didn't build. That you didn't build. And houses full of all good things which you did not fill. And wells dig that you dig not, vineyards and olive trees that you planted not. And then he says, when you've eaten and you're full, don't forget the Lord. Verse 18. And you shall do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with you, and that you, may, uh, uh, and that you mayest go in and possess, notice, the good land which the Lord your God swear unto your fathers. To cast out all your enemies from before you as the Lord spoken. And when your son asks in time to come saying what means the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you. Then you shall say unto your son we were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Praise God. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt and upon Pharaoh and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in to give us the land that he swear unto our fathers. He brought us out to bring us in. Hallelujah. Do you see that? God gave this power to get well to his people. He gave it to us. Abundance and wealth is our redemptive right. It's our redemptive right. Amen. It was bought and paid for in our redemption. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. God doesn't bring you out of somewhere to not bring you into somewhere better. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Got God, right? What, what kept getting the Israelites in trouble? They kept wanting to go back to what they had instead of pressing into the land full of good things where you'll have no scarceness, where you'll eat. Listen, where you were at is easy to live in because it requires nothing. It requires nothing. I'm going to say this the nicest way I know, but being broke is the easiest thing in the world to do. All you got to do is be broke. Just don't have to have nothing. But when, when, when you start pressing in to what God promised you, it's not hard to get. We always say this, faith's not hard, it's just different. It's different looking at your circumstance, your financial circumstance, and declaring that you have all and that you're full and that you're living in a land with no scarceness and no lack. When you can see lack, yes. 
But it's easy to stay in lack. Just got to stay in lack. You just got to get satisfied with that. And here's what happens. Is the more you think lack, the more your lifestyle accommodates your thinking. The longer you think lack, the more lack will show up in your life. Because you'll make decisions based on lack. You'll make decisions based on what you have. Instead of on what you can believe for. Brother Hagin made a statement once. He said, things cost what they've always cost. They cost faith. It's what it costs. Amen. See, but if, if my mindset is a lack mindset, my lifestyle will accommodate that. Amen. Hallelujah. See, it's, Pastor Michelle talked about the plan of God, and we know that's ultimately why God wants to bless His people so the plan of God can get done in the earth. But understand something, and, and I can say this, and it, and it can sound elementary, it can sound like things, but folks, listen. There's a difference between a $40 pair of shoes and a $200 pair of shoes. Right? Now don't misunderstand what I'm saying. If, if, if you got some $40 shoes in your closet, I'm not running them down. Uh, but I'm saying, there's a difference. I was on a trip one time, and uh, I was in a hurry when I left, and I run off without my shoes. Oh, my goodness. I got everything but my shoes. And so I'm going, I'm thinking, man, it had been a long week. I just wanted to get to our house and just relax and because I, 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 I didn't have a lot of time. I had not been able to go and take an extra day. Usually I drive up to Kansas on Friday morning. I got Friday and, and, and Saturday to kind of relax and get ready. But I, I'd had to leave late on Saturday and I was running late already. I got in the metro area about, oh, I don't know, 4.30 or 5. And then I got to get up early the next morning and, and I got to go preach all day. And I'm thinking, oh, man. So I called my wife and I said, honey, I said, I ran off and forgot my shoes. And she said, well, looks like you'll be going to Dillard's. And I said, well, I don't know if I want to drive all the way across Olathe to go to Dillard's. I, I don't know. I'll see. I'll call you later. And so my lightning fast mind, I thought, yeah, I'll just, I'll just pop in here and, and buy a pair of shoes. You know, this certain place, I won't name the place, but certain place, you know, it's a decent place, but... And so I went and I, I found a pair of shoes for $40. The whole time I was paying for those shoes, right here in my spirit, I'm hearing, this is a waste of money. This, you're wasting money. Now, people say it was only $40, right? Right? But he was telling me I was wasting money. Well, when I got home and put them on, I found out why. I would preached in those $40 shoes all day. I'll tell you what I did just a couple days after, threw them away. No support, no cushion. Oh, I was in such pain when I got done. By the end of the day, I, I, I was hurting. And I'm, I'm walking into our home in Kansas, and I'm hearing... Uh-huh, I told you, you should have went to Dillard's. Now, somebody will hear that, and they'll say, you, they'll say, that guy went, and he spends this amount of money 
on a pair of shoes. It's not about the amount of money that's paid for a pair of shoes. It's about your thinking. Remember what the Lord told Pastor Caldwell? He said, I want you to go buy the most expensive suit in town. Full price. And he said at that time the most expensive suit was what? A Hart, Schaffner, and Mark suit. About $350, $400. And he said, Lord, why should I go buy a, a suit for full price when I can go down to the bargain barn and get three double knit for $75? Right? And remember what the Lord said? Because if you can't pay full price for a suit, you can't build a building and if you can't build a building, you can't take a city. And if you can't take a city, why do I need you? So the way you think about certain things determines how you're going to approach what God asks you to do. Amen. If I can't believe God to buy a pair of shoes at a nice place, how am I going to believe God for a building that's for sale that they want $3.5 million for and I got $50,000 in the bank. Does that make sense? Amen. And so people will say, it's not about things. You're exactly right. It's not about things. But if you don't change your thinking about things and believe God for better in your life, then when it comes time for God to bring something big into your life, you're going to have a hard time believing for it. Oh, glory. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Did you find it? Now, I want to read to you from the Amplified Bible. He says, for you are becoming, you are coming progressively to be acquainted with and to recognize more strongly and clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, His kindness, His gracious generosity, His undeserved favor and spiritual blessing, in that though He was so very rich, yet for your sakes, now notice that, this is important, for your sakes, for you, he became so very poor. Notice, in order that by his poverty you might become enriched, abundantly supplied. Yes. Now notice that. I've heard ministers preach great eloquent messages on how poor Jesus was. And then I've heard great eloquent messages answering it on how Jesus wasn't poor. I'm not trying to prove to you that Jesus wasn't poor. Here's what I am trying to prove to you and what I believe Scripture just did. If he did become poor, Scripture says he did. And, and I believe it was relative, relative to where he was. Of course he became poor. He came from a place with walls of jasper, streets of gold, gates of pearl, foundations with every precious stone. God's throne sits on sapphire. Hallelujah. And he came to walk on dirt. Relatively, he became poor. But if you believe he was a, 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 just a poor carpenter that had nothing, he did it so you could be rich. You through his poverty might be enriched or abundantly supplied. 
Mm. So this abundant supply was paid for by the blood of Jesus. And people will fight to not walk in it. The Lord said something to me once about preaching Christ. He said, Christ has not been fully preached until Christ is preached as Redeemer, Healer, Baptizer in the Holy Ghost, and soon coming King. He said something else to me. He said, the full gospel has not been preached if the gospel of prosperity has not been preached. Because it's all part of the package. Now, I'm going over some of these familiar verses for a reason. Notice what he said. He said he did it so we could be rich. So the price to be abundantly supplied has been paid. The power to get wealth has been paid for. The power to get wealth to the New Testament believer is the ability to sow seed. The ability to sow seed. Pastor Michelle mentioned this in the, in the offering, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 10. Notice what it says. It says, now he that gives seed to the sower, he that ministers seed to the sower, it says he'll give you bread for your eating and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Amen. Notice, God gives seed to the sower. Why does he give seed to the sower? The seed produces an unlimited prospect of income. Unlimited. Unlimited. The power to get wealth is in the seed. The harvest is in the seed. Oh, hallelujah. Remember Acts 20, verse 35, where Paul said that Jesus said, we don't know when Jesus said it, but it, Paul said he did. He said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And we've said over the years that it's more blessed to give than receive because the receiving's in the giving. Is that right? The harvest of whatever you need is in the seed. The seed produces after its own kind. Is that right? I've had people tell me, well, you know, you can't name your seed. Well, that's ridiculous. Listen, if you go and you plant, let's say you're planting a cornfield and you're planting corn seed and somebody comes to you and they say, what kind of seed are you planting? Oh, you can't name seed. Well, do you know what you're planting? Well, yes, I do, but you can't name it. It's corn seed. And you plant that corn seed, and what are you going to get? Corn. You plant wheat, and you get wheat seed. Amen. The natural is a type of the spiritual. And when, when, when you sow a kernel of corn, 
You're expecting a harvest of corn. Everything you need is in the seed. Your debt freedom is in the seed. Because I'm calling that seed my debt freedom. And, and, and here's the thing. We'll look at it in just a moment. But here, here's the thing. It's multiplying in the ground. That's what he said. He multiplies your seed sown. Multiplies your seed sown. So right now your seed is multiplying. Now you got to live like you have a multiplicity of seed in the bank. In your account. You got to live, you've got to change your thinking to where you think about first your heavenly account and not your natural account. You, you've got to change your thinking that you're thinking about the account that's multiplying and not the account that you can see with your natural eyes. Most believers that you know live like they don't give. They live like they haven't given anything. If I've given something, I have a reserve, I have an account that I can draw on. And the way I draw on it is faith. Now that sounds simple. But when you're focused on your heavenly account, and God says, I want you to go after something, you don't immediately go to your natural account You're living out of your heavenly account. And so if you're sowing on a regular basis, oh Lord, I'm getting ahead of myself, and it's multiplying, then then you're adding that up consistently and you know what you got in your account. I can tell you right now tonight, within $100, or less of what I got in all my accounts because I look at them every day. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You say, why? Because I don't know what my wife bought at Amazon or Kohl's <laughs> or I don't know. I got to look. Amen. I feel you, Pastor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Hallelujah. And, and, I, and I don't mind, but you, you got to look, Right? Because you don't just swipe your card and never reconcile. You need to know what's there. If, 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 if you gave in the offering today, tonight, whatever you gave. Let's, let's, let's use $100, for example. If you gave $100 and you're basing that on what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, then you sowed $100, but what registered in your account was 100000 Right? Now, when you start thinking that way, amen, and see, that, that takes your faith to another place. Because I'm, I, I see that heavenly account with the eyes of faith. I don't see it with the, my natural eyes. I'm seeing it with the eyes of faith. And I walk by faith. Is that right? And I live by faith. 
So faith is seeing things that my natural eyes can't see. And faith has no trouble believing that when I sow, it's multiplied a hundred times or a uh, 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 hundredfold, a hundred times. Faith has no problem with that. Mm. You got to live like you have given. Like there's something that you can draw on. Well, if I go, if I go talk to them about that house, they're going to want such and such amount down. Yeah? Well, I don't have it. Where? In my account. Which account? I'm convinced that there are going to be people that get to heaven and God shows them everything they could have had. Not in a condemning way. Now, if you disagree with me on this, that's fine. It's not the difference between heaven and hell. But here's the point. Everything that could have been if I do this by faith. Right? So if, if, if you're given a certain amount every week and it's multiplying in your heavenly account and God says go talk to him about that house or that building and the building's $2 million but you only in the natural have a few hundred thousand or, or whatever in the bank. You're not going to talk to them based on what you've got in your natural account. You're going to talk to them based on what you've got in your heavenly account. We hear miracles like that, how God gave people things and God worked things out. It was preceded by a step of faith. It was preceded by somebody acting like they had actually given. Mm. Hallelujah. Am I helping you with this? Mm. Call your seed what you're desiring to receive in your harvest. What are you desiring to receive? Call your seed that. Amen. Whatever it may be. Get, get your debts out and write them out. And know how much you have to the penny. And then match your giving to that. And then tally up the numbers. Okay, Lord, I've got X amount in my heavenly account, and that more than enough covers what I owe here on the earth. So I thank you I have that in the name of Jesus. Well, it can't be that easy. That's natural thinking, and that'll stop you from prospering. Amen. Folks, listen. I've been, listen. I've been, I've, been, I've, been told, I've been told by experts that I can't prosper. And we just keep right on prospering. Praise God. Yeah. The, 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 probably two weeks after we were married, we, we, we were visiting with a couple, good, great couple. The, the whole situation has been reconciled for years. But I, I need you to hear this. And, and we were talking about what God, what we believed God was going to do. And we were just sitting there. You know, we just got married. And Pastor, Pastor, you know, when we got married, Pastor Michelle had only been saved a year. And, uh, and uh, so she had been saved a year. We would not even been married maybe a month, maybe a month. I don't even think it was that long. And we were talking about what God was going to do. And this person jumped up. I don't know what rubbed them so wrong. But they jumped up and just pointed their finger at us. And, and looked at me, pointed their finger at me, and said, listen, 
you've been the bottom of the barrel your whole life and you're always going to be the bottom of the barrel. Who do you think you are? People say, what'd you do? I, you know, I kind of felt, I didn't know what to do. So I just looked at Pastor Michelle and grabbed her hand and said, come on, honey, let's go do what God told us to do. Amen. And we've just been doing it ever since. Amen. 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 Because I learned, when I was sitting in that little house at 7548 Corona Street in Kansas City, Kansas, right there off State, State Line Avenue, just, just a couple miles from the uh, 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 Missouri line, and we were sitting there, and we had made the decision, this thing in our finances has to change. Amen. Amen. And I won't take the time to tell you how, how bad it was. It was bad. I mean, bad. It's, yeah, I was living Haggai chapter 1, where he said, you bring in money, and you put it in bags with holes in it. No matter how much work I did, I was working every hour they would give me. One thing you can never call me was lazy. I worked every hour they would give me. I'd take overtime. The only night I wouldn't work late was church night. I'm working every hour they give me. Pastor Michelle started off uh, working. Pastor Michelle started working as a maintenance woman. Punching houses for a slumlord. I mean a literal slumlord. Amen. And, and she'd work all day and, and go in there and punch those houses. And, and we, were, we were struggling so bad that we had to put our car repairs on the company credit card. They'd let you put personal purchases on it, then you had to pay it. Well, how can you ever get out of the hole if you're buying on credit and then you've got to take the next paycheck and pay it off? Well, you can't. And that's what the devil wants. He doesn't want you focused on your heavenly account because the moment you focus on your heavenly account, you are focusing on something now that is outside the realm of his possibility of touching. And so what he's got to do is get you overcommitted in the natural so you're focused on what you don't have instead of what you do have. If you've been giving and tithing, you have a heavenly account that more than likely is full and you just don't know it. Amen. But man, the Lord began to deal with us. The Lord began to deal with us to take 40 days and just listen to nothing but teaching on prosperity. Amen. And the Lord told us very specifically, nothing else. Don't listen to praise and worship. Don't listen to teaching on healing. Don't listen to anything else but teaching on prosperity. Hallelujah. And we had... Uh, uh, scraped up the money and I literally scraped up the money and we had sent and bought Creflo Dollar had at that time he every year he had a finance convention and uh, uh, the 1998 finance convention and uh, the speakers were uh, Creflo Dollar John Avanzini uh, uh, Leroy Thompson and Marcus Bishop and uh, Marcus made some wrong turns but you know I got to see him at the ministers conference last year and uh, uh, shook his hand, told him what a blessing he had been in my life. But anyway, uh, we, were, we were sitting there, and we'd been listening to this for 40 days. I'd go to work, and I would come home, and Pastor Michelle would have recorded the Believer's Voice of Victory. Brother Copeland was teaching on the laws of prosperity on the Believer's Voice of Victory. And I would go down in, my, in the basement. I called it an office. It was the corner of the basement with some uh, blankets up. And so I... I <laughs> 
I would go down there and, amen, because my wife worked for my dad then, and, and she was his office manager, and she had all his stuff down there. And so I would go and I would watch that, and then we would come up, and we'd put in the, the, the uh, uh, VHS. That's how long ago that was. The VHS of the 98 Finance Convention. And I was watching, we were watching that night, Leroy Thompson. And, you know, of course, Brother Leroy's famous for money coming. But that man is a prophetic voice where finances are concerned. I saw Bill Winston, not to, I don't know if anybody watched his conference here a month or two ago, and he said that he was praying, and the Lord said, you need to have a prophetic voice come in to shift the financial state of your people. And he said, the Lord told him to bring Leroy Thompson in. And we watched that message, and, and I'm telling you what, it was like just hit after hit after hit. And, and you just, you were in a different place when it was over. But we were there, and you, and you know, Brother Leroy, he'd get excited and, and you know, couldn't talk and couldn't laugh, and it, it, was just, it was just great. But I was sitting there, had my back against the wall. I had my back against the wall. And Pastor Michelle was sitting over there on the love seat, and we were taking notes and watching, and Brother Leroy was, was preaching, and he started talking about mindset. Amen. And you know, you know how Brother Leroy would get into it. Some of y'all told me how you born on the wrong side of the track. Here's what you need to do. Move the dog on track. Right? Man, it changed my life. And then he made a statement that I will never forget. He said, you need to jump up right where you're at and say I'll never be broke another day in my life. Amen. Whoo, it still goes all through me. I, I jumped up. Listen, I jumped up without two nickels to rub together. You hear what I'm saying? I, I jumped up knowing I'm going to have to go ride the metro to work tomorrow morning. I got up knowing that I don't have $10 to buy another bus pass. But I jumped up in that little roach-infested rent house and shouted out loud, I'll never be broke another day in my life. Amen. And man, it hit us. We started running around that little rent house. She was running around the rent house. I was running around the rent house. The kids came out of the room. What's going on? They just started running. They, they didn't know why, but they were just running. Amen like that. And people say, what happened the next day? Nothing. I went and got on the bus and went to work. But hear me, and I know this sounds cliche, but hear me. A rich man got on that bus that morning. I wasn't broke anymore. I wasn't bro And it didn't just happen that night. It was something that had been progressing over the previous 40 days. Amen. Because that's all we listened to. That's all we listened to. I, I went to work and I took Brother Copeland's book, The Laws of Prosperity. And I didn't sit with people at lunch. I went and found a place by myself and I read that book and I sought God because I knew God had things for us to do. And if we didn't break out of that, poverty is cyclical. It's cyclical. Amen. The, the next generation will be broke if you don't break out of the cycle. If you don't start focusing on your heavenly account so you can teach your children and grandchildren to focus on the heavenly account, they'll grow up focusing on the things we focused on. Amen. Whew. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Something changed. So I went home a rich man. I didn't have any more money, but I was different. My life changed. My life changed. Well, you know, Pastor, I just don't need any more. Hmm. That's a selfish attitude. That means you got enough for your four and no more, and you're not worried about anybody else. And you will never tap into your heavenly account with that mindset. Because at some point, God's going to ask you to give something that's bigger than anything you've ever given. And I promise you, you will not have the money in your natural account to do it. Let, let me tell you how, am I helping you? Let me tell you how people think. One night I was preaching, and the Lord said to me, he said, uh, he said uh, uh, ask people if they have uh, bills, utility bills, even house note, car note. That's uh, past due, and they can't pay. And he said, uh, he said, if they do, tell them to come up front, and you're going to pay it. Well, I didn't know how I was going to do that. I didn't have no money to pay nobody's house note. But I did it. I said it. And uh, everybody just got, kind of got quiet and looked at each other. Like, did he just say what we heard? And one guy, well, he was a weird guy. He was a weirdo. But he was, he was weird. But his house note, his uh, car note was past due. He couldn't pay it. And oh, weirdo, he got up and came up. He acted on the word of God. And, and the Lord paid his car note. I, I wrote him a check, paid his car note. Man, he was rejoicing weirdly on the way back. To his seat. But you know, you know what happened? You know what, you know what got me? You know what happened? After church, people came and told me that they had things past due. Too late. Now, here, here's what I'm trying to say. Why didn't they move? Why didn't they act? Why didn't they do something? Hallelujah. If God, because, see, God will give you the opportunity to do things like that, and if you if you don't have your faith in your heavenly account, right, you won't be ready. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. And you know, it didn't change overnight. It didn't change drastically in two weeks. You know what God started doing? Increasing our level of giving. Before our level of harvest came, our level of giving increased. Because you know a lot of people, and I know a lot of people, that want everything just to change where their income is concerned, but the outgo hasn't changed. We went to uh, uh, Liberal Kansas. I don't know if you've ever been to Liberal Kansas. If you've ever been to Liberal Kansas, you'll never forget the smell. <laughs> now, it smells like money to ranchers, but it's bad. And, uh, and so... Uh, we were there, and a guy, I met him, I was actually at a, at a meeting, Rod Parsley was in a meeting in Lenexa, Kansas, at Lenexa Christian Center. Mike Perky used to per pastor the church there. And uh, uh, we were there, and I saw this guy that I had known growing up, and so I went and talked to him, and he said, yeah. He said, I'm pastoring in liberal Kansas. I said, okay. He said, uh, why don't you come down in a week and preach for me on a Sunday? I said, okay. And so we talked about it and set it up, and, and we decided to do that. Now, we didn't have no money. 
And we were driving, what we were driving? Mercury Topaz is what we were driving then. And we had bought it at Neal's Finance Plaza. Amen. Down, down off of Metcalf Avenue. Buy here, pay here. He used to have commercials of him on a horse. Come on down, see me down here at Neal's Finance Plaza. <laughs> oh, you think I'm joking about where we came from. Ooh, man, we, we thought that was the high end. You know, I mean, it, it might be buy here, pay here, but it's the high end. We bought two cars from Neal. <laughs> and uh, we had that Mercury Topaz, and we loaded us and all of our kids up in that Mercury Topaz and drove to Liberal, Kansas. Well, from, from uh, Kansas City, Kansas, where we live, to Liberal, Liberals all the way on the other end of the state. So it's a few hundred miles. And uh, we got there, and, and uh, he said, yeah, come on by the church. And so he came pick me up, and we went down by the church, and he was showing me the church. We're sitting there in the office. And he just looked at me, and real matter-of-factly, he said, yeah, I've changed my mind. I'm going to preach tomorrow. What? Yeah, I, I'm going to preach. Well, what am I going to do? Oh, you can come serve us. Oh, okay. So I got to go back to the hotel and tell my wife that we took money that we didn't have to get here and you're not going to let me preach. And boy, he sure enough didn't. He asked us to sing, asked her to give her testimony. But the only thing you can do is load up and go home. So after church, we loaded up and went home. And we got home, the phone rang, and it was my dad. He's asked me how the meeting went. <laughs> well, it didn't. Amen. But while I'm on the phone, the Lord spoke to me. And he said, you're going to be getting paid in two days. And he said, uh, I want you to take your entire paycheck and sow it to this ministry. I don't have no money. We need every check that's coming in. But remember what had changed? When he asked me to sow my whole check, it didn't faze me. Because when you're living out of the heavenly account, you don't think, I don't have any more money. I got off the phone, I went to my wife, and I said, uh, this is what the Lord told me. Now, now here's, here's a lesson. Even when Pastor Michelle wasn't sure in her own spirit, if I said the Lord said, guys, husbands, you got, your family has to have so much certainty that you're hearing from God that even when they don't quite see it, if you said God said, you hear what I'm saying? If you said God said, they know you hear from God. And so, sure enough, I got paid in two weeks and we signed the check over to that ministry and sent it. We did that three times. Three different times the Lord said, give your whole check. We gave our whole check. Amen. But gradually we started seeing things start working. It showed up in favor. It showed up in opportunities. We needed to get out of that house. It was the best we could do back then. But God said, I want you to believe me for a house. And so we started believing God for a house. You want a new house? Put your wife on it. She'll find one. Amen. We started believing for a house. And she got in the newspaper. 
and, and found a mobile home in Gardner, Kansas. Now you say a mobile home. Listen, if you could have seen where we were living, an airstream would have been a sweep. <laughs> Amen. And man, and 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 but God had God had been increasing us. I'd got raises on the job. I I'd went from I'd went from a, 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 a department director with Blue Cross, and then they they'd put me up to quality assurance uh, uh, person, and then I was a unit manager, and then they promoted me to the help desk. So God's promoting us. We're getting more money. We're not we're not overflowing, but we're comfortable. Yeah. Amen. And man, we, we, we got to that house. Oh, it was the nicest thing I'd ever seen. And, and, but here's the favor. There were three people that wanted that house. And it was up to the owner. The bank left it up to the owner. We all three qualified. The bank, they left it up to the owner. And the owner called me at work. And, I, and he said, uh, uh, you know, I just wanted to tell you. He said, you know, we had three people that were in line for that house. And I said, yeah. And he said, uh, but we're going to give it to you because we just like you better. Amen. Hallelujah. See, favor. it wasn't an influx of cash, but God started improving our lifestyle because we, start, we made a decision to get that home based on our heavenly account, not based on what we could see. And it was just three weeks after getting into that, into that home that we started pastoring in DeSoto. We started in December of 98. We get in our home, and the Lord tells me, February 22nd, 1999, is the last day on your job. And he said to me, now I'm not saying he says this to everybody, he said to me, he said, you got to pastor this church, and I can't have you split in time. That's what he said to me. And now, now listen, I've learned a lot since I'll never be broken another day in my life. You know what I told the Lord? I said, okay, Lord. I said, but our family's doing good. I've got the best job I've ever had. We got more money than we've ever had. We're in a better place than ever. And I said, I don't want to take a step down. And the Lord said to me, he said, you'll never hurt. You'll never want for anything. He said, I'll take care of your family. I stepped off my job making three times less. When I took that church, they paid me exactly three times less what I was making at Blue Cross. And we never lacked anything. Somebody'd show up and bring us a check. One of the board members said, Pastor, this is what I want to do. And he went before the board and requested a raise for me. And they blessed me with a raise. And then he'd take up an offering and bless us. They didn't know anything about giving. They weren't word of faith people. But here's my point. I, 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 I know where we're going. But here's my point. We started living off our heavenly account. And that happened when our mindset changed. Remember, a rich man got on the bus that morning. Amen. And it just increased and increased and increased and increased. I'm not just talking about things. But life's better now than it's ever been. And it's only going to increase because he'll increase us more and more. But our mindset hasn't changed. See, people say, how do you know you won't stay in this building? Because my thinking's too big. 
And this building can't contain what God's showing me. And if it can't contain what God's showing me, then there has to be a place that God has for us to be able to do what He's showing me. It's a palace. Hallelujah. Have I told you I'm excited for you? Because God's a good, something good's about to happen to you. Amen. So call your seed what you're desiring and receive your harvest. What do you want to receive in your harvest? When we were believing to be debt free, that's what we did. We called that seed debt free. This seed is debt free. And you know, then everywhere we went, when we went to meetings, we carried that list with us. That, it was the first year that we ever went to the minister's conference. And Pastor Michelle carried the folder with that list that she had made all of our debts out and stamped paid in full. She carried it with her. And people say, well, why did you do that? Because we'd heard too many stories about preachers preaching and they'd say, I told, every, told people, if you're in debt, come up here, I'm going to pay your debts off. If you know how much you owe, come up here. I'm going to pay your debts off. We didn't want that to happen and us not know. Amen. See, do you see how people, you start thinking different? Because there's enough in your heavenly account to pay your debts off. Owe nothing to nobody. Pay it off. Amen. I told you we came out of $210,000 worth of debt in nine months. From the time God told us to be debt free, nine months later we owed no man anything. And the largest amount of money that came in at any one time was $24,900. God worked things out. Paid things off. People showed us favor. Settled things. Amen. But there was no doubt it was going to happen. I said there was no doubt it was going to happen. And I got back, I got back from that minister's conference and, 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 and uh, walked in the church and I got a text, and it was a guy that had not been faithful to church. I hadn't seen him for a few months. And he said, Pastor, watch, how much money do you need? I texted him back, $24,962.49. He said, okay. I didn't know what okay meant. I hadn't seen him for months. I preached on Wednesday night, went back and was, was getting ready to, to, to go get my stuff, and he came in the back door. Can I see you for a minute? I said, yeah, and walked in the office, and I no sooner did I sit down behind my desk, he reached in his back pocket, pulled out an envelope, tossed it to me, said there's $25,000 in there. God bless you. Left. Amen. I was riding my motorcycle home. Pastor Michelle had already went home, right? I was late because I met with the $25,000 man. <laughs> by the, time, by the time, time I got home, you know, I just played it real cool, you know, and, and, and walked in home, and, uh, and she was, I don't know, getting a snack. Our, our uh, uh, third, second daughter was, was with us then, and they were, they were getting a pizza or something, I don't remember. And I said, uh, isn't God good? And she said, yeah, God is good. I said, yeah, God's $25,000 good. And I, I gave her the envelope. 
And she, you know, you know what she talked about? The car? Yeah, that happened again. It just, she rolled and laughed and shouted. But here's the thing. There was no doubt in our mind that was going to happen. Amen. So you may look at your debt and say, but it's $300,000 or ever how much it is, or I owe back taxes or whatever. You got it in your heavenly account. You got it. Look at, look at Mark 10, 29. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hurry here. I don't want to keep you too late. But you're getting it, right? Notice what Jesus said. Oh, thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. And uh, Jesus was talking, of course, to his disciples. And you'll remember they said, Lord, we've left all to follow you. And notice what Jesus said. There is no man that's left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother. Or, and he goes on, wife or children or lands for my sake in the gospels. In other words, there's nobody that can sow these things. But he'll receive a hundredfold now. Now, hang on right there. This is sowing and receiving a hundred times as much. Now, I tell people this all the time. I've heard people say, well, you know, that hundredfold, you know, now that's not a hundred times. That's, and then they'll give their definition. Here's the problem, though. Words mean what they mean. And when you Look up the word hundredfold in this verse in the Bible. It's not mentioned very many times. And here's what it means. One line. Here's what it means. Hundred times as much. That's it. That's all it means. Every other translation I read, but maybe one, says a hundred times. Now here's the question. Why would Jesus say there is no man that can sow these things and won't receive a hundred times what he sowed if he didn't mean it. Now here's the question. Can I depend on that? Do I get a hundred times as much when I sow? Then when I record my giving in my heavenly account, if I gave ten dollars in the offering then I'm not just recording ten dollars is that right yes, if I gave a hundred dollars I'm not just recording a hundred dollars I'm recording a hundred thousand dollars is that right when uh, or Roberts was pastoring church in Oklahoma. And he said, you know, they didn't even have a parsonage. They were living with a deacon. And you know, Brother Roberts, he said, if, 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 if you think two women in one house, each of them wanting to do things their own way was easy, he said it wasn't. They're living in the deacon's house. And so he decided they've, they've got to build us a parsonage. And so he went to the business meeting that night, and they paid him like $45 a, a month, I think, at that time. And he had that $45 in his pocket. 
And he said, men, we got to build a parsonage. Now, we got to raise the money to build a parsonage, and I'll give the first 45. Well, they, that night, praise God, they did raise the money to build a parsonage. And so he said, I went home. It was a cold Oklahoma night. He said, I went back to the house, and Evelyn was already in bed. And he said, I got in bed. And, and she said, how'd the meeting go? He said, it went well. She said, what about the parsonage? She, he said, yeah, they agreed to build it, and the money was raised. She said, oh, praise God. He said, and I gave our entire month's salary to help build it. And he said, it was a cold night. Because she had told him, if you don't get a parsonage built, I am taking these children and I'm going home to mother. And so they were there and he said about 3 o'clock in the morning there was a knock on the door. And he said he got up and answered the door and there was a farmer standing there. And he had a boot, a jar, mason jar. And uh, he knew this man from church. And the man said, I've got to talk to you. And he said, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. He said, I've got to talk to you. He said, what's, what's the issue? And he said, I've been playing the stock market, and I've about lost everything. Nobody knows I've been doing it, I, and, and I've about lost everything. I've almost lost my farm, my livelihood. My family will be destitute. And he said, okay, well, what's that to me? I've often wondered what I'd like to be under a pastor like that. Well, what's that to me? <laughs> well, he wasn't a pastor. But in any event, he said, what I have in this jar and I forget exactly how much money it was. $400? He said he had $400 in that jar. And he said, I went and dug this up to bring it. He said, I'm a farmer and I understand seed. And he said, I'm sowing a seed to rectify my financial situation. Brother Robert said the first thing he thought was, can you do that? And he said he walked away thinking, that man just named his seed. Well, of course, you know, Brother Roberts, he said, I had great pleasure going in there to Evelyn and holding those four $100 bills out and just <laughs> waving them. But anyway, the point is, yeah, God blessed them, but God brought that farmer out of financial poverty because he named his seed. You see what I'm saying? If you sow, that money is multiplying in your heavenly account. Look, look at this real quick. You know Luke 6, 38? What is required to see this in my life? Believing and acting like it's true. Luke 6, 38, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Will men give into your bosom? I have given, and it's given to me in a multiplied fashion. Is that right? Mm. Philippians 4, and beginning in verse 15. You know, Paul talked to the Philippian church, and he said this was, was so uh, much of a blessing. He said, no church communicated with me, the Amplified Bible says, opened up a credit and debit account with me except you. The King James says, no church communicated with me as concerning giving 
and receiving. But folks, my family, here's what I want you to see. Ever what translation you read it in, if it's just the King James, giving and receiving. Now, why is that so important? If you have given, you're supposed to receive. Your mindset has to be on the receiving. I've talked to people before and they'll say, I'm giving, I'm giving, but I'm not receiving. That's backwards. If you've given, you're going to receive. Giving and receiving. And then he, said, he went on. And notice what he said. He said, I'll read this to you from the Amplified Bible. Not that I seek or am eager for your gift, but I do seek and am eager for the fruit that increases to your credit. The harvest of blessing that is accumulating to your account. I have a credit and debit account in heaven. I can debit that account whenever I need to. Now, most believers, you know, don't think that way. They think you got to pray it on down. Oh, Lord. Mm-hmm. Send it on down, Lord. Ah, hit me in the head with a Jesus. I'm just your poor wayfaring stranger. No. And for you white folks, Lord, if you don't do something, we're just not going to make it. You got to help us, Jesus. Bless us some kind of way. <laughs> no, it's Credit. What'd you do tonight? You credited your account. So that means tomorrow you can go debit it. Is that right? When did this begin accumulating in their account? When they gave. How fast does it accumulate the moment you give it? The Lord told Brother Copeland, when I asked you to give something, even if you don't have it to give at that moment, when you became willing, I credit it to your account. He walked into that, that, that meeting, that, that get-together they were having for this, this very important man. And when he walked in the room, the Lord said, I want you to pay for that man's airplane. Brother Copeland said he stopped and he said, Lord, I'll do it. Because you asked me to, he said, but there are businessmen in here that could pay for that airplane out of their pocket money. Why are you asking me? And the Lord said, because I knew you would. Now, he didn't just get there. You got to think different. Amen. Somebody asked me, they said, how how much is the airplane you're believing for? I said, uh, oh, the one I'm looking for is about $340,000. Somehow I've got to the place where those numbers don't bother me. That's what it is going to take 
to have not the luxury, but the necessity of flight. The Lord spoke to me and said, you need an airplane like I needed a colt. You need an airplane like I needed a place to celebrate Passover. You need it. You need it. Amen. So, so it's not trying to justify something. Well, where's that money? In my heavenly account. It's there. And, and the money that's also there is the money to upgrade it and to do whatever we got to do. To keep a good pilot. Do whatever we got to do. Amen. Amen. But, but, but here's, here's what I'm trying to explain to you. When did that money start accumulating? When they sowed. We have to... Well, let, 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 let me read this to you. This, this blessed me. The modern language Bible says, the fruition that is multiplying to your credit. Multiplying to your credit. We have to live and act as though we have an account that's multiplying every time we give. Every time we give. That's the account we live from. Look at, at Philippians 4.19. We'll show you the result. Oh, glory to God. Now, you can quote this by heart, but notice what he said. He said, now remember, in light of the fact that they've sown into his life, and he said, but my God shall supply all. Notice the phrases. All of your need according to his riches in glory. This blessed me because this is the result. Our need is supplied according to his riches in glory. How does he multiply your seed sown? By his riches. In, in, in other words, heaven's capital backs our account. His riches. And, and think about his riches. All the silver and all the gold are mine. Well, if you got the guy that owns it all backing you, what is there that you can't have? Nothing. Amen. And, and I'll close with this. But there comes a time when, when you got to just do it. There's, there's things you just got to step out and increase. I heard something one time, and uh, actually I heard uh, Pastor Nancy Dufresne say it. She said, uh, you know, people will say, well, I don't need a bigger house. And she said, but your faith needs you to have one. Here's a subtle mindset. Well, it's better than it's ever been. We're comfortable. Comfort can be an enemy to more. Pa- right? Pastors need buildings. Traveling ministers need good cars. 
ways to get around. Right? We've got to increase what we think and how we think about it. Oh, hallelujah. And so that's why I make this statement all the time about our ministry. All the money that we need for every project comes to us now and in abundance. Why? Because I don't know what he's going to ask us to do next. But the supply will be there. And that, that's how you have to think. If I need it, he'll supply it. Amen. Amen. Now, I, I had a point in saying that. So pastors need buildings. But you got to stretch. I was talking to one person one time, and he made the statement. I was asking him about his building. And uh, he said, well, I haven't found a building yet. He said, uh, and the ones I have found, boy, they're really proud of them. Well, I mean, I understand that. But where is it written? That somebody's got to take a loss to bless us. Remember what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs? It said, it said there's a guy that will look at what he's trying to buy and say, oh boy, that's, that's not worth very much, that's not worth very much, until he just beats the guy down, the guy gives him a deal, and it says then he walks away talking about how he got him. You know, somebody's got a price of two, three million dollars on a piece of land or, or a building, right? Of course, we want the best deal. But we're not, we're not trying to undercut something, right? There is no preacher's discount in the Bible. Amen. I used to run around with a preacher, and he embarrassed me to no end. Because we'd go eat, and, and they'd, they'd, they'd bring the check, and he'd go, Isaac, preacher discount day? Ha, ha, ha. No, no. Now, I'm saying that for a reason. That kind of preacher will never live out of his heavenly account because he's always wanting a discount, always wanting somebody to give him something for free. If you come work on his home, he, he really wants you to do it for free. Because after all, he's the preacher. Well, there's nothing in the Bible that says you got to come work on my house for nothing. Right? Now, if you want to sow a seed, come on. I'm good ground. But, but, but here's the thing. I'm never going to ask you to do something for nothing. Because I'm, I'm not paying for it out of my earthly account. I'm paying for it out of my heavenly account amen. amen and let me leave you with this exciting bit of news the numbers are only going to get bigger hallelujah but I'm excited for you because something good's about to happen I say something good's about to happen remember what we say to the supply chain issues I do not expect to be affected. Amen. Let's stand up tonight, shall we? I hope you receive something from that. You know, the Lord will always, He'll give you a verse, a scripture, and then He'll give you an answer. He'll give you something to answer.
And just like when we were believing uh, uh, where Liliana was concerned, the Lord gave me that, that, that word. It will all go without a hitch. And that's what I stood on. I was meditating the other day, and I kept hearing people talk about, you know, supply chain issues. And the Lord said to me, I was, I was, uh, I was actually leaving our Kansas home, uh, the house there, and, and going to the, the church. And the Lord said, uh, whenever somebody starts talking about supply chain issues, here's your answer. I do not expect to be affected. Now, I've had people talk to me on the phone. Well, you know about this. I do not expect to be affected. You have to be arrogant about it. What, now, well, listen, why is that important? You're living out of your heavenly account. Did you know that the shelves in heaven are not empty? And Jesus said in the book of John, in the original Greek, he said this, if you ask my father for something and he doesn't have it, he'll create it. Can't lose with the stuff I use. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Amen. Look at your neighbor. Find, find somebody there beside you and tell them. Say, I'm excited for you because something good is about to happen to you. Tell somebody else, say, I'm excited for you because something good is about to happen to you.